claws of the dog But how hard you can bite it You will survive Or maybe not When you're in the dark zone You gotta give it everything you have One nine hundred Hot dog on Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900 Hot Dog, America's last comedy website, and for very good reasons. I'm the deeply exploitative Robert Brockway, and helping me cash in on an actual murder for entertainment purposes, it's Sean Baby. Hi. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for the second. Just, oh, a third. Going back to the It just keeps him going. Uh, joining us today is the housewife who loves this murder shit. It's Jason Pargin. As we transition into hard journalism, which was a decision that was made uh, with some heaviness of heart that there would be no more jokes because in this mm. world, that's not what the world needs. Like that's just well, wasting people's time, making a bunch of saying a bunch of stupid stuff. Well, we are America's last comedy website. Uh, someday that's going to stop, and then there won't be any more. So uh, this is, you know, this is the future. I would love to pivot to NFTs. Just want to float that idea here while we're all while we're all talking. Tracks murder NFTs. Like we could take facts of an actual murder, turn them into NFTs, and then go straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to Google murder NFTs. Uh, I just I have some faith in humanity, but it's about. Oh, uh, you know, let's let's hold on to that. OK, we'll cut all this, Jamie, because this is a million dollar idea. This is a twelve hundred. This is a 17 cents idea. Very uh, quickly. Here is where I would normally plug the book that I'm that I plug every week on every podcast I'm on. Because the subject matter of this pod, of this episode is serious and involves a death, mm-hmm. I'm not. The book is called "If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Universe." It comes out in October. I'm not going to plug it in this episode. That would be because silly that and crass. would be uh, that would be literally trying to sell a, a dumb novel on the back of this tragedy. Let's uh, uh, frankly, a, a, a tragedy. And and every book comes a with a city? free murder NFT, like an actual piece of bone from the investigation. Jesus. <laughs> a digital memorabilia of a human bone. Are we going to have to cut the intro? We might. We might have to cut <laughs> all of this. Uh, let's do a recap is... on uh, tracks and what we're talking all right. about. Well, yeah, this well is hold part on. Let me, let me introduce have the we... theme. Explain that we're part two, that this is part two of the, the tracks murder, and we are saying T-R-A-X-X, which is a, a largely forgotten 80s action movie starring Shadow Stevens. If you've not listened to that episode. Uh, this is okay. part two of our investigation into the murder of beloved track screenwriter Gary DeVore. Uh, as Jason said, if you missed part one, uh, we'll get you back up to speed. Listen to part one. It's a podcast. It doesn't go bad. Just go back and click that. Now, if you need to know what the movie tracks T-R-A-X-X is about, we do have a summary for you. Oh, yeah. Let me hit the theme song here. You know what I think of your cookies? That's what I think of your cookies. That was not the right Double, mi- double oh, okay. 
I'll hit the right theme. I'll hit the theme song. This is, this no, I think that's everything song. they need to know. Okay. Oh, shit. That's cool. Cat in Spanish. Oh, damn it. Um, now, this is the real one. I'm done fucking around. Okay, let's just listen. This recaps all the tracks. The, the quality is exactly what it deserves. Did they cut the z out of size so it would rhyme with bye? Because that's kind of genius. I like that all of this is just all the things you don't interact with tracks about. (laughs) At this point, it's just words that rhyme with tracks. Like facts? Yeah, like facts. Get the facts. <laughs> He's like, does everyone here have the facts? You Did you get my facts? When Robosaurus attacks! The disproportionate amount of criminals in this movie are blacks. Okay. <laughs> okay, we can... <laughs> uh... Hey, they are... It's true. I didn't write it. Priscilla Barnes <laughs> said clearly, though, that he kills one of every minority. So, and I quote, no single minority can bitch about, uh, I can't remember the last Right, one. but if you kill one of every minority and then also like 15 of one particular minority, I still think that's bad. I don't disagree. I'm just saying what Priscilla Barnes said in the hit film tracks. That's true. I do want to believe her. Get okay, out of jail card. Knowing we kill that- the white. We, we murdered that Samoan. We're in the clear. That the man who wrote this film is now tragically dead. Do we really want to disparage the work that he's remembered for? Yes. That's a, an excellent. <laughs> <laughs> right? Michael, I mean, that's, kind of, that's kind of the entire premise. So You said that he was murdered. Now, the entire reason this is such a fascinating mystery is we don't know that for sure, right? No, we don't know that for sure. However, there is some compelling evidence, especially if I talk like this. Last time, we left you with a stunning revelation that in this supposed tragic traffic accident, both of Gary DeVore's hands were missing. Now, the implication was we'd start talking about that immediately next time, this episode, giving you the answer you've waited a week for. But we're not doing that. What a twist. We're going to talk about that at the end of this podcast to manipulate you into listening, even if the answer is disappointing. Meanwhile, you know what's worse than losing your hands in in a mysterious traffic accident? Shopping for a mattress. (laughs) But thanks to this week's sponsor, Mattress Crate, you can get a new mattress in the mail every month. Just enter offer code HANDLESS. I got a human hand in mine. <laughs> At mattresscrate.com for 13% off. Order four mattresses, you'll get a whole human torso and help now, did solve you, a crime. 
Did you check to see if Mattress Crate was not a real business? I know it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it, has to, it has to be. All it's right, got to be real. We got to we got to okay, completely let's... stop the podcast while I just Google murder NFTs too. See if that's taken. This site cannot be reached. That is an unused domain. Any of us oh my could, God. could buy mattresscrate.com. Two business ideas. Ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> this is this is paying off. So this is why we're pivoting away from comedy. <laughs> right into true crime. The natural progression. Uh, so Gary DeVore was working on a script that would change the very nature of Hollywood. And the fact that that script is missing from that accident changes the very nature of this case. Oh, right. You see what I did with the repeating the line there? It's pretty cool. You're saying he was murdered for the script. I'm not saying that, but... You're saying this script became the last Boy Scout. Uh, Maybe. I still think it's tracks too, and I have some compelling evidence for that. I want it to be. That's my compelling evidence. Now, I'm not saying that he was murdered for this script. However, his friend and director, John Irvin, the director of such films as motherfucking Raw Deal. Wow. Yeah. As he says in his very stodgy accent, uh, which I will do to add prestige to this podcast, Gary was troubled before the crash. He was having trouble with a script he was writing. He was speaking more as a journalist than a screenwriter. Uh, he seemed he seemed worried about what he found. What what did he find? What could he have found? That takes me back to the movie you made called Raw Deal. Well, I faked my own death to trick my wife and the drug dealers. <laughs> Not the voice you expect from the guy that did Raw Deal. And now uh, his widow, Wendy DeVore, said this, which I will also do as John Irvin. He had been very disturbed over some of the things that he had been finding in his research. He was researching the United States invasion of Panama because he was setting the actual story that he was writing against this and the overthrow of Noriega and the enormous amounts of money laundering and the Panamanian banks. Also, our own government's money laundering. He was disturbed by a lot of things he discovered, including the weaponry we used, the way we dealt with Panama, the way we were invading them. And th- that Tracks again, that, that was his... Banana that's... Republics. <laughs> um, I, I'm not saying that I, I wasn't paying attention when you were going through those quotes, Brockway. But Sean, how difficult would it be for Jamie to record a version of the Tracks theme song where she's inserting two after every time they say Tracks? So that it's the theme uh, for Tracks 2 that never got made? She's open to Get a lot the, of very strange requests. So, I mean... the facts... How I wonder how difficult it would two. be to re-record the entire song to be about this murder. <laughs> she did that and, once before. She remade that Bruce Willis song I wrote. Yeah, let's not let's not put that on her. Let's, uh, let's, not, let's not put that kind of evil on her. <laughs> I think she deserves better. Fair. We're taking that down with us. Now, uh, it's important what this script was about. So. Nobody has the final version, but a first early draft of the script uh, was leaked. And it, it tells the story of uh, American operatives in Panama who are robbing a bank, but it's really just a cover up for something bigger, something more sinister. And uh, DeVore did a ton of research on this, and he was sure 
uh, that General Manuel Noriega uh, had used sort of as a, like a honey trap to compile uh, sex tapes of top-ranking U.S. officials in his home, cavorting with alcohol, drugs, uh, beautiful men, beautiful women, oh. often underage, oh. and uh, com- covertly filming their antics for uh, for blackmail purposes. And you might recognize that as the exact same conspiracy theory uh, that mm-hmm. every lunatic believes about everything. Yeah. We had yeah. to hear about that stupid P-tape conspiracy for, what, four straight years? I'm pretty sure there's there's some pizza places that would... We're not getting into that. <laughs> Documentary. It, it just makes a kind of common sense that you could honeypot someone in and film them covertly, and then you have black... It just seems like such an easy thing to do, and think of all the sexual mistakes we've all made in our lives and how like uh, easy that was for all of us to fall into without like the power of government behind it. Like if someone just sent a whole bunch of hot girls at you, like for the entire week, like you'd fuck one of them. Um, I think that's that's a reality show. Yes. And for listeners who just only are listening to these two episodes, and this is your first exposure to the dog zone and you only came for the true crime. Like if you're a true crime enthusiast housewife, (laughs) what if that happens? Um, there's a dynamic where sometimes when the subject of sex comes up, Sean will throw out an example of what he believes is common for everyone (laughs) in their lives. You could stand by every sexual decision you've ever made is what you're saying. (laughs) But that in reality is more, is more specific uh, to him. And that he, he just assumes that we've all lived the same. We've all lived the same life. So I'm just saying that if that comes up in the rest later in the episode, I just want that understood. If, if like Fair he enough. will throw out a suggestion, then none of us will chime in to like, yeah, that's right. When guys, when enough hot women okay. throw themselves at you, you eventually are going to succumb. That's that's just what's going to happen. That's, now, I I don't it reminds think, me of fifth grade. I don't think Charles <laughs> oh always unreasonable with his sexual escapades. I do think. Uh, I don't have like a panty trophy case to prove all of my sexual escapades. So like there's a layer of relatability that just goes missing, I think, towards the end. So if yeah, you could just it, like stop before the trophy case part. But you I have all those all... Panamanian blackmail tapes, which is like a real like that's a, a kind of trophy. trophy that's case. like a yeah. panty trophy. Yeah. Let's let's put it this way, friends. Just for again, I realize most of you don't know anything about me personally. If I travel to a foreign country and some extremely hot woman just totally threw herself at me. Just like, come on, let's go. Let's go. The-. I would just laugh in her face. It's like, okay, wait, what's the honeypot? Are you robbing me? Like, there would not be one second where I would think, oh, wow, man, this is great. She's really into me. I would just immediately <laughs> ask her, okay, what's the scam? Like, I don't have any information. Are you trying to steal a copy of my novel? Do you somehow know who I am? Are you... You've already formed a whole novel stealing conspiracy. Like, I wasn't like, expecting from, the novel twist. From, it's you know, a, from, deep, a deep conspiracy that you have in your own brain. Uh, yeah, because oh. that's literally the only valuable thing I'm traveling with. It's like there's Jason's I have nothing to steal. Throwing this woman through a fish tank. He's like, ah, you're out of your tricks. You'll never get my book. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I, and I'm sorry, I have derailed the story to. to to say that, but yes, I, it, it, it is worth saying as far as conspiracy theories go that there is like compromised material on Donald Trump or whoever 
like having sex with underage sex workers, whatever, much easier to believe than almost any other conspiracy theory, including some that turned out to be true. It's not like this is this is like fake the moon landing level of of conspiracy oh, thinking. Hollow Earth theory is pretty good. It all adds up when you think about it. How else do you explain the sounds and the lizard people? The like, tunnels? have you ever tried to drum on the Earth? You get a good sound out of it. Couldn't do mm-hmm. that. All right, getting back on track. Uh, Document. <laughs> Documentarian and possible lunatic Dr. Matthew Alford says that a former White House official from the Reagan-Bush era confirmed that DeVore himself worked with the CIA and visited Central American countries often, including Panama. Now, Hmm. Wendy backs this up. She believes that when DeVore said he was going to scout locations for a movie shoot, he was really doing something related to the intelligence community. Now... Just days after Gary's death, Wendy says that unidentified government agents, who I guess are partially identified, huh? They showed up at Gary's house after he disappeared and deleted everything about the script from his computer, then went through the house and pulled anything that could tie them together. So the conspiracy here is that the script was so, like, good and powerful that it would have taken down like Noriega's. Now on the last episode, he did say that it was the hardest hitting script Hollywood would ever have seen. And he figured out something in his research uh, that he believed put him in danger. And early drafts of the script were about this honeypot scam where uh, American officials went to general Noriega's home and uh, banged their way straight through it from basement to attic. Okay, but but to be clear, instead of going to the New York Times and saying, hey, I'm a screenwriter, but in the process of researching a script, I actually stumbled across a legit like story of the century. I want to write this up. Instead, he said, I'm going to write this into a screenplay and then spend years trying to get it produced and turn it to a movie. This is how I will deliver the story to the people. Yes, and also I'm the guy that wrote tracks. <laughs> and, and yeah, and there's a real you don't good have to chance. Tell me that, sir. I love there's, tracks. There's a real good chance that Shadow Stevens would be playing. I I don't know who the oh, I don't know who the '80s era uh, top government officials yes, were. Maybe <laughs> playing no Noriega, which in that era that would have they would not have thought twice about that. Oh no, just give him a casting. spray tan, dye his hair yeah. black. Hold on, uh, Noriega. That's what it would sound like. That is exactly what it would sound like. Now, as unlikely as it seems, there is some truth to this. DeVore provably did some work, some kind of possibly consulting work or research at Air Force Base Area 52, which, if I understand military classification, means that's one more secret than Area 51. Yeah. Wait, the Area 52, is is that a joke or is that not a joke? That's not a joke. That's an that's an area. It's named fifty two. One one better than fifty one. Now, Devore also knew Chase Brandon. Uh, that's man who headed up CIA's Hollywood Affairs Office at the time. Uh, mostly, what they did was they assisted movie productions with research, uh, so they could have some measure of control over how the CIA was depicted in those movies. Now, Chase Brandon. That's Tommy Lee Jones's cousin, which I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Not because it's relevant to any part of this story, but because it's pretty <laughs> weird, right? 
Yeah, and also, wasn't picture. Tommy Lee Jones Al Gore's roommate in college? Tommy Lee Jones was up to some shit. Yeah, this case is coming together. Now, let's do some more weird shit. Chase Brandon wrote one it, script. What was his real name? I'm sorry. That's clearly, that's not, why you're calling him Chase Brandon. That's not something a person is named. <laughs> his real name is that's, Area 53, Clone Alpha 4. <laughs> name was Lee Tommy Jones, and he was just like Tommy Lee Jones in a mustache, double mustache sometimes. Uh, Chase Brandon actually went so far as to write one script, The Recruit. Only his writing partner, uh, Roger Town, is credited. But notes and emails from Brandon confirm he did much of the work. The Recruit would later see script doctoring by none other than hot dog himbo, Kurt Wimmer. Right? Kurt Wimmer. The name doesn't ring a bell. It doesn't ring a bell. I was waiting for that to blow your minds. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like Kurt Wimmer isn't important to anybody but me. But that can't is be that, right. That's not the karate rap guy, is it? <laughs> no, that's Sensei Dave Seeger. Kurt okay, Wimmer <laughs> is the writer of Equilibrium and just oh, a beautiful, innocent man child who I've brought up several times on the podcast and did exactly yes. what I did here, which is I wait for your mind to be blown. And then you go, who's that? <laughs> it's almost suspicious. Like there's some sort of a, like Noriega mind control attached to Kurt Wimmer to help yeah. us not remember his name. Well, there it might be because Chase Brandon would later go on to confirm the existence of aliens and area 51. Now you thought I was fucking around about area 52, that's because I was, but the alien thing's real. He went on to say, and I quote, it was not a damn weather balloon. It was what it was billed when people first reported it. It was a craft that clearly did not come from this planet. It crashed, and I don't doubt for a second that the use of the word remains in cadavers was exactly what people were talking about. One day, I was looking around and reading some of the titles that were mostly hand-scribbled summations of what was in some boxes, and there was one box that really caught my eye. It had a word on it, Roswell. I took the box down, lifted the lid up, rummaged around inside it, put the, back, put the box back on the shelf and said, my God, it really happened. <laughs> he stuck his hand in some alien debris and then put it back. And, then and that's put it a back. story he didn't say like, there was all kinds of, all manner of space what's-its and dildos, star butt plugs. <laughs> and then I put them all back. And it gave him the ability to make people forget about Kurt Wimmer. <laughs> Who? Damn it. <laughs> now, you're clearly tantalized what was in that box. And he says, some written material, some photographs. That's all I will ever say to anybody about the contents of that box. Why the fuck? At this point, like you're like, hey, I was in this place. I looked through all the secret documents. Aliens are real, but I can't tell you any more about that. Like, you fucking... The Band-Aid's been torn off, buddy. You've like, already done the thing that will get you assassinated, right? You're, yeah. you're already like, oh, yeah, I know all the secrets. It's like, well, they're not going to leave you alive based on your reluctance to tell people. They're just going to assume. It's like, based oh, on no, how coy guy, you were about it. My imagination is very limited. So aliens are real, but and I found a box that proves it, but I, I never really thought up what was in it. So uh, that's the secret part. And I'm that, sure you believe me. There actually is a very, a very good reason he doesn't go into more detail. Okay. He will later write a science fiction novel, just one, about alien cover-ups. 
So I guess he did have more to say about it. But it was fiction? Yes, billed as science fiction. Although it is the man who says, I have seen aliens personally and know all about the cover-ups. And then he writes a book about it. So I assume he's hoping the press sells his book. Again, for a very long time, this man was the sole, the head of the department and almost solely responsible for the CIA's influence over Hollywood, which was a real thing. They would control how they were depicted in movies in exchange for access to resources, sets, uh, you know, equipment, all, all sorts sure. of things. And, yeah, all uh, joking aside, does do you listeners, do you guys know that he's not joking about that and that's not even like a conspiracy theory? That's no, that's how it just, works. And not just with the CIA, but with the military, with, with NASA, the Department of Defense, everybody has that hand, that, that office in Hollywood. Yeah, the reason Top Gun Maverick looks so good is because they had access to real F-18s from the military. And the reason they had that access is because they worked hand in glove with them to make it like they literally get to approve the script. Uh, yeah, Tom and, uh, was opened the glove box in that F eighteen and found things from the stars that he will not tell anyone about. <laughs> yeah, every single the, the sole guy in charge of every single one uh, has seen aliens personally. They, they don't want to talk about that, but it's true. Anyway, back to Gary Devore and his possibly alien government connections. Wendy says when she first moved in with Gary, he warned her to expect suspicious calls at all hours of the night from the U.S. government, but he told her, ah, don't worry about him. It'll be okay. <laughs> so she didn't. <laughs> They'll pretend they're here to treat the windows, but they're, they're from the aliens. <laughs> uh, the calls would come infrequently at first, just one or two over a few years, but there was a flurry of them right before he died. Now, did she hear those calls? She doesn't say. Did she take Gary's word for it that it was the CIA? Probably. Yes. So what was going on? Was Gary okay? No. He died in an aqueduct. It sounds like Gary was the victim of a vast government conspiracy, but Gary's ex-wife, Claudia Christian, who you remember as Commander Ivanova from Babylon 5, which was like Star Trek, but with worse haircuts. I don't, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, you're about to. Claudia Christian is hot dog as fuck. She starred in Arena, which was Bloodsport with Aliens. Oh, I love that, yes. Uh, oh, it's an amazing movie, but I would argue not as amazing as it should have been for being Bloodsport with Aliens. There's like 80% not Bloodsport with Aliens. which I, A perfect idea, 60% execution. And anyway, she was, she was the lady in that. Uh, she was also in Maniac Cop 2. She was the doctor from the Barbarian Brothers Think Big. That's our very next podcast. Did I plan it that way? No, I'm not that smart. This is weird. Add this to the suspicious coincidences. They, uh, uh, it's going to be a big box. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry to keep to keep just talking directly to the listener. I know this is bad podcasting. <laughs> I, you guys uh, just looking right in the camera. I've I've made it so that they, Brockway and Sean, can't hear me. I'm just talking directly to you right now. I my my whole premise of being on this two part true crime podcast episode was that the uh, screenwriter behind this extremely corny movie tracks died under weird circumstances. That there was a whole conspiracy theory around it that never gets discussed. Like this is just Brockway had spent months researching it. As I'm sitting here listening to it. There are far more weird connections to this website 
Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, anything I mean, else? Like the fact I'm that this saying. guy, his entire inner circle that was in on this whatever secret and this strange behavior, it's all like stuff that's been covered on this podcast. There's you have no idea how deep we're about to get into that. <laughs> between, between this death and one nine hundred hot dog than any other single entity. I am presenting right. this uh, when I did this research as the unified hot dog theory of everything. It's connected to every part of our site. And uh, it may explain everything about our, ourselves as people. It at least uh, explains these two human hands I have in my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just came to you from some some eBay bid on like a titty book. Oh, two uh, hands on this one. All right. Made the way the equilibrium to guy left him here. What's his name? Caleb Swanson? Caleb Swimmer? <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Perfect. Now, Claudia Christian implies that Gary was kind of a conspiracy nut from the start. Now, I'm going to pause and wait for your shocked gasps. Very good. Now, even though he worked with the U.S. government, he was very distrustful of anybody associated with the government in any way, which leads me to think he probably shouldn't have been working for them. Mm -hmm. uh, this, this is actually... It's just called a Republican. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's true. He's, he gives big Republican vibes. Now... This is a perfect time to pause and focus on a different, no less important part of this conspiracy case. Gary DeVore fucks. Oh, yes. And what's more, Gary DeVore fucked his way through the entire back catalog of 1900 Hot Dog. What? He went out with Season Hubley, who you remember as the love interest of Robosaurus in Steel Justice. Mm -hmm. Now, in the Steel Justice podcast, Sean, I told you something. What did I tell you? Oh, my God. So much. Uh, you told me you loved me, but uh -huh. you really caveated that. Uh, it really Only if it's returned. Way. Uh, right. Um, God, about season? I don't remember about what you season, told me Hubbley. about season. I told you season Hubbley fucks, and I could prove it, and I just did. Oh, of course. Of course. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Gary also went out with Patricia Barnes, the mayor from Trax, who orgasms at the sight of criminals. Not too bad for a Gary. Uh, he was married to Nat King Cole's widow, which doesn't have anything to do with us, but it's kind of weird. He also <laughs> dated Janet Jackson, who he almost certainly called Mrs. Jackson because Gary DeVore he is was nasty. nasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, we should have all said that at the same time. And instead we basically we did. Timed, timed the joke completely differently. <laughs> because we're all pros. We are. Now... That wasn't planned, uh, that that horribly uh, timed nasty. Like, I just, you know, I've heard that song. <laughs> it was because there was only one way for that sentence to end. Now, does that make all of these women suspects in the case? Absolutely. You're fucking A right, dude. Please keep them in mind going forward. It's entirely possible that Janet Jackson did this murder. It might implicate the entire Rhythm Nation. But first, let's review The Last Call. Gary DeVore made to his wife, Wendy, before going missing. She finds it very unsettling. Here's how she says it went. Gary, was that you trying to call me, sweetie? Wendy, who else would it be at one o'clock in the morning? Gary, suspicious silence. Wendy, where are you? Gary, I'm past Barstow. Wendy, oh, you'll be home in three or four hours. Gary, something like that. Wendy, well, I'll tell you what. I'll wait up for you. Gary, don't do that. Wendy, well, you know you'll want to take a shower. You've been driving a long time. 
we'll take a shower together. Gary, whatever. Wendy, are you? <laughs> Wendy, are you tired or something? Gary, no, I'm pumping pure adrenaline here. Now, Wendy says he did not say he loved her before he hung up, something he would always do. She further insists that call was deleted from the phone records because there is no trace of it. We have spent a good amount of time, arguably too much time, establishing that Gary DeVore likes to fuck. Mm. I ask you, does that transcript sound like a man who fucks? Oh, absolutely not. No. Even if you didn't like her, you'd be like, ooh, shower. Hey, you know, you mean you don't want to... His response was uh, hurtful, almost. Whatever. Whatever is the offer to shower to get fucking whatever. Naked, wet lady. Have fun with that. (laughs) That man, whoever that man was on the phone, he did not like to fuck. It could not have been Gary DeVore. Couldn't have been him. Now, let's jump back to the missing script that would change the world. It was set against the backdrop of secret pedophilia rings in 1980s Panama. And it was almost definitely going to star Shadow Stevens, as as Jason says. Uh, it was also a remake of a 1949 movie called The Big Steel. Now, that's a movie about a man who sets up his own mysterious disappearance. Gary's publicist, Michael Sands, believes Gary may have been too into the headspace of his own main character. That's what he said in an early interview. He floated the theory that Gary DeVore lost the line between reality and fiction. But he changed his story in a later documentary, The Writer with No Hands, a documentary by possible lunatic Dr. Matthew Alford. In that documentary, Michael Sands comes across dodgy and invasive in his his one on-camera interview. He's He has like an agenda. He mostly just kind of looks through Alford's research. Then he gets an idea and he runs in the back room to bring out his own folder. Can you guess what's inside? You can't, but try. We're both going to say it's a pair of severed hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got hands in the folder. An excellent guess. And that would be the case over. <laughs> no, it's uh, full of headshots from the time he was a model. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> For the government. Um, uh, government model. That's what he I'm said. Sorry. I, I it just very, very quickly. What's the name of this documentary again that you're referencing? The Writer with No Hands. And that's not a joke you made up because when you said that, I thought you you were making a joke. No, it's the name of a book. It's the name of two movies they tried making about this. Uh, I've read and seen both. <laughs> and uh, wow. it might be a joke, but I don't know that they realize that. It's at least wordplay. It's They're trying to be clever. But in it, God, this is so fucked up. And no one knows about this except you. I and might they, be the only person who has ever watched any of it. Yes. And they made a book and two movies about it. Yes. And, it oh, is so uh, the documentaries in part deal with, uh, you know, this case and the, and the weird inconsistencies of it. But uh, a lot of the focus is also on what a net bag uh, Matthew Alford is for caring so much about this. Uh, just like me, I feel a lot for him. Uh, I understand where he's coming from, and maybe the only one. I love you. If you're listening, <laughs> you are listening. This well, is because th- just to to level with everyone here, the the guy did die in a strange, in a weird way, and he there's did. weirdness around how he died. So that part is true. So then you're surrounded with all these people who 
either are motivated to make his whole deal sound much bigger than it was, or there's some, I, I don't know, he himself was paranoid and actually did think the conspiracy was real and that caused him to, like, there's something, there's some, there's something weird about it one way or the other. It's just that you have some people who insist it's UFOs or whatever. It might be. We've introduced the possibility of UFOs. Now, uh, let's jump back to Michael Sands, uh, model for the government. I don't know what that means. Uh, they just look like happy headshots, but he insisted he traveled the world modeling for the government. So he's just like shirtless in a tank, just popping out the top. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess it's like a US. Abrams. Holds up to trying, one hunk. Trying to sell it to housewives, maybe? <laughs> uh, anyway, Dr. Matthew Alford leaves that interview confused and unhappy, as we all would. Uh, but at the end, just as he gets in the elevator, Sands calls him back to talk quickly off camera and says he will help. He knows what's going on. He can't talk now, but he's going to have answers in three weeks. Two weeks later, he would be dead. Choked to death in a grocery store on a free deli sample of mystery meat. Mystery meat? That's real. He really? got a free sample of mystery meat and he did choked to guy, death. Did the kid doing the samples get fired? Like that, It seems like you can't be worse at your job than handing out samples and killing a customer. Who, Brandon Chase? Did Brandon Chase get fired? The man handing out the... No, that was not. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> and did, was there an autopsy? Did they verify that this was just an ordinary grocery store choking? Or was there something in the mystery meat? Uh, they did like not. Alonium or something. Do any further research into that? Uh, it's th that I could see. It's hard to turn up things about this. And because it's hard, I don't want to do it. Hmm, uh, so I sense. didn't. But... Everybody seems to agree that that's just what happened. All the obituaries and news reports say he choked to death in a grocery All store. All these fucking alien freaks decided that choking to death on mystery meat in a grocery store is a normal thing to do. Well, yeah, the actual I, newspapers decided that. I don't know uh, what the alien freaks decided to yeah, do. They found had, it very suspicious. If you've had free samples at a grocery store, they're never giving you like a full kielbasa. It's like a yeah. little thing with like a toothpick in it it's a little it's a little hunk of a taquito or something it, now, like, could it be it. that he horked the toothpick well again i'm gonna say you have to be very bad at eating food to die that way like you would be laying on the floor thinking is this really how i'm going to die <laughs> so this, about it. after everything i've survived in my life after all of my after the adventurous the sexual lifestyle i've lived all these years um, is this really going to be the thing that that takes that takes me down my experiences uh, so, as a government model around the world did not prepare me to choke <laughs> down some mystery meat i don't want to be irreverent uh when speaking about the dead but is it possible he wrapped the mystery meat around his neck while he was masturbating and this is like the spin on that story well he did go very publicly he died right there in the deli so a lot of people saw it so yes the answer and none is none of yes. them knew cpr none of them thought to like pull the food out of his throat they just watched a man die on free meat maybe he just they thought he thought the meat really sucked <laughs> like, this guy said to drama queen <laughs> look at him turning blue um sansa's Seven death minutes. was a huge setback to the case 
But the trail did not go cold for possible lunatic Dr. Matthew Alford. He still had a man named Frank Thorwald, a former government official with the highest possible level of security clearance. Now, he looked into this case at the time and found nothing. But (laughs) years later, he became seriously ill. And Dr. Matthew, I'm sorry, possible lunatic Dr. Matthew Alford was hopeful that because of the diagnosis, he was ready to get something off of his chest. And he was. Frank tells the story of the time he called the CIA and spoke to somebody about Gary's disappearance. And how the man said, I can't help you. (laughs) Uh, He said, (laughs) this all lines up. A great story for Frank Thorwald to tell. But at the very end, something strange happened. The man on the phone told Frank to go look at a sweet website he found. Now, Frank, always looking for sweet new websites, visited it and found it was a porn site. The kind of site that, in his words, seems like there could have been, but I did not see, child pornography on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and mm. he, he goes on to explain once you have now, what child. Is that? I have a question. Um, so what does that mean? Like you go on a porn site and it's just so badly made. You're like, man, I bet if I click something wrong, there's kids. Or, or are there pictures of kids with clothes on? And it's like, hey, welcome to the site. How did you find this? Sean, I, I, I just want to. I've been to a lot of websites. I've never once in my entire life, all the dark things I've seen on the Internet thought. I bet somewhere on this website there's child pornography. Like there's something about this. It means this is what a person would say if they saw child pornography on their computer and knew that just having that on their computer was a crime. So they would say, well, I went to the part of this child porn site that did not have any child porn on it. But I could I could sniff that there was some nearby. I, I just but I did not like, look at it. it. It did not. It never appeared in my browser cache, which you know would be illegal. I just wanted to pretend his lie was real to demonstrate how ridiculous it was. Like we all I mean, know this what this guy did, and his, his cover story is still childlike. alive to to sue us. If so, we're not. We're no, not claiming to know anything. He was guy already absolutely done. went to a child porn website. I'll claim it. <laughs> or another Thor, possibility Thor is Kevin that Wal- I can't remember all these names. Frank Thorvald. Frank Thorwald. Now, he explains that it's a standard tactic. Once you have child porn on your computer, you're a pedophile. It's a way to get leverage on people. So this man casually tossed out, hey, here's some leverage on you. And Frank, expert level, the highest possible security clearance, uh, was like, hey, sweet, I'll check out that website. (laughs) He just thought he found like a top secret bro trying to share a nice bang and uh, now found himself compromised. Or as Jason's theory... Maybe he just went to a bad website and was like, this is my chance. This is my chance to explain that in case somebody checks my history. There Possibly- are, uh, this is actually a real thing. Uh, I have a lot of dark books that I don't usually write about, like uh, anarchist cookbooks sort of type books where it's like, here's how you make a bomb. Here's how you destroy a person. And there's a lot of ways in these books that are like how to trick your enemies into getting like, you know, illicit materials on their you know computer that you can get arrested for and, you know. So it, it's a pretty standard tactic to destroy your enemy to get child pornography onto their computer. Yeah, and that's what he says. Yeah, he says the guy told him to go to compromat.com, and he was like, uh, "Compromat is that C or K? K? Okay, compromat.com. Oh no, all <laughs> oh, my top secret clearance." <laughs> <So stupid. laughs> 
<laughs> now that we're done making fun of this dead man, uh, possible lunatic, Dr. Matthew Alfred's sources were being discredited or disappearing left and right. It seemed like he was getting closer to a smoking gun, close to the truth. And yet eagle-eared listeners may have noticed, I always preface his name with the phrase possible lunatic. That's because Dr. Matthew Alford is possibly a lunatic. The writer with no hands might be real. Or, or that. Now, the writer with no hands, the documentary he spent years and a fortune making, uh, it cost him his marriage. It cost him his job and his whole life. And it ends with him dressed in a clown costume in which he heavily implies that the CIA threatened him into wearing it so that he could fully discredit himself and the entire movie. The last shot of that movie is of possible lunatic Dr. Matthew Alford juggling in full clown regalia in front of a fake castle. What it's stupid all the How way down. This is not the most popular movie that's ever been. It's going to be. <clears throat> it's stupid all the way down. Stupid all the way down. Stupid eating its own tail. The stupid cannot hold. The stupid falls apart. It's the perfect <laughs> mystery for the screenwriter of tracks. The perfect stupid movie. But there's okay, something. I, I'm, I've lost track. How many potentially crazy people have we heard from so far? Where the things they say are either implausible or extremely like conspiracy type. How many separate conspiracy weirdos have we encountered so far in the story? All of them. <laughs> Every name Tommy Lee Jones's so cousin, far. Tommy Lee Jones is grocer who killed that guy with the meat. Yes, even the normal ones have, have veered off to mention their compromised child porn sites and their alien abductions. Uh, yeah, that's because every time you introduce somebody within <clears throat> a couple of paragraphs, you're talking about how, well, then they started ranting about, like you're almost telling a story of, of like a, a contagion of madness that spread through the social circle. The specific social circle of the content of 1-900-HOT-DOG. Yes, there's some sort of <laughs> mental virus that has spread through everybody involved in creating it. Now, Doesn't surprise me at all. There's something else to this case, something I mentioned at the end of the first podcast to pique your interest, and then explained how I wasn't going to mention it again until right now as a cheap trick to keep you fully invested. When Gary DeVore was found a full year later, in a spot that had already been searched by a man with a near psychic premonition of the crash, when he was finally found as if specifically to end a search that was not being dropped, Gary DeVore was missing both hands. What a cliffhanger to end on. Einstein wounded Frankfurt. Oh, wait, you already knew about the hand thing. Sorry. Yeah. All right, we'll keep going. Uh, do you know why he was missing both hands? He, he had no hand. Go ahead and guess. You won't get it, but I... Oh. Okay. Um... Maybe that guy that was doing modeling for the government uh, wanted to do hand modeling, but had ugly hands. And he said, Gary DeVore, those hands are beautiful hands. He took them. Also, uh, hands are where you keep your fingerprints. Maybe it was just as simple as that. They just didn't want anyone to identify the body uh, because it's not Gary DeVore. And it was a fake corpse uh, placed there to uh, let Gary DeVore go back to Panama to um, do a sexual heist. Now you get partial credit. Gary's pinky had been broken and never healed, a uniquely identifying deformity. That's why they think they took his hands. The sheriff's office did find, quote unquote, 
some hand bones in the water. <laughs> Don't know why that makes me laugh, but it always does. Some <laughs> hand bones. Uh, the number of hand bones varies. And when dated, some were found to be over 200 years old. Was Gary a hand Highlander? <laughs> I thought you were going to speculate that he founded on murder. He stuck was, his hands into a time portal. and That's another possibility. Just, the rest of his body stayed in the present, but his hands were zapped 200 years into the past. By aliens. By yeah. Tommy Lee Jones's cousin, an alien. Now, he could have been an ancient being who could only be killed by cutting off his hands and absorbing the wrist quickening. It's just as likely as anything else. But there's an even likelier option, no matter how unlikely it might seem. Let's look at Gary's filmography. Certainly his most successful credit is Raw Deal, a movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger taking on the mafia by faking his own death. Mm -hmm. Because all things are hot dog, Tom Ryman already wrote about how he does that by exploding an entire fuel depot, faking his own death in literally the most high profile and ridiculous way possible, guaranteed to make national news. Uh, stupid hilarious way to do something as secretive as faking your own death does that sound familiar it does sound like someone choking to death on a mystery meat <laughs> but in an explosive way but like conversationally like similar uh like stop everything you got to hear this right like it's it's if you want to disappear forever you just guaranteed you got your face put on the news for the next yeah. like two weeks at least it by is. making just one hell of a story. Uh, it's just exactly what Gary DeVore would have done with this. Uh, he was on uh, America's most wanted. They did a segment about him. They're doing crazy conspiracy documentaries. It would be the worst idea, but how about this? Faking a high profile death was also a pivotal plot point in his remake of the big steel, the script we're talking about. And mm -hmm. here's some other Gary DeVore movies, the relic, that's the one where Tom Sizemore fights an Aztec god beast and uh, it rules. Sudden Death, where Van Damme fights, where Van Damme fights an entire hockey game. You know, no, he fights a woman in a penguin costume in that movie and like slowly beats the shit out of her to death. It's yes, yeah, that's Gary Devore. That's, that's more unpleasant did. than winding up handless in a watery grave. Now, slowly murdering yeah. a woman in a penguin costume, that's a stupid battle, much like a lone screenwriter taking on the U.S. government. He also did rewrites on... <laughs> Parallels. <laughs> he also did rewrites on Passenger 57. Did mm -hmm. Gary DeVore write the best line in movie history? Always bet on black? It's impossible to know since I didn't check, but yes... Where is there left to go after writing that line? But down, it's the kind of line you'd be tempted to fake your own death just to escape its shadow. That had to have been a Wesley Snipes ad lib. Like when Blade goes, some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. You're like, what? The Blade would never say that, Wesley. Like, yeah, okay, but. Keep it in the movie. Some, some background to that line about the ice skating not to, to take us off the tracks here, but the line about ice skating, that was not a line that Wesley Snipes came up with for the movie Blade. That was a thing he frequently said in conversation. <laughs> and screenwriter David Goyer overheard him say it, so he put it in the movie. I, that is okay, the that's the exact same commentary. story behind Always Bet on Black and Passenger 57. That's yes. got to be. That has to be. 
Gary DeVore overheard him say, just constantly saying, always bet on black, like at the craft surfaces table. Because otherwise, like, a white screenwriter writing that for your, your black protagonist is almost almost a hate crime. Yeah. And then you got to set like, up for it is so clumsy. He's like, hey, do you play roulette? He's like talking to the dude on the airplane phone. And he's like, on occasion, like he can't sense that he's being Whoa. set up for some awesome line. He's like, mm, yeah, now that Let's you mentioned this that, one you sort of enjoy roulette. Let's see where it's going. Could be fun. Yeah. It's so shoehorned in. <laughs> Another and also un- always betting on black. Not a solid strategy for roulette, <laughs> right? Like that's not gonna He's like, I don't get it. Well, because I'm black. Oh, see, you're not here. I, I don't really think about people in terms of things like that. Uh, so always bet on black. Uh, you're saying you're going to lose eventually? Is that? <laughs> so you have a 50-50 thinking, shot of winning this movie. Am I thinking too much about it? <laughs> uh, another uncredited DeVore rewrite, Time Cop. He did Fuck uncredited yes. rewrites on Time Cop. He does his heroism anonymously. Almost like he doesn't want to be seen, doesn't want to be found. And then, hey, speaking of one nine hundred hot dog links, uh, this is going to sound made up, but my daughter's middle name is actually Time Cop. My God, it sounds Do you like see a joke. How deep but this goes? It's not. The government has that on a on a fucking social security the card. The government has that. <laughs> uh, very briefly, Sean, because I'm sure you brought this up on the podcast before. Have there been any difficulties when you have to communicate with officials and like school registration people or no. whatever, or preschool or whoever, whatever bureaucracies you have to talk to? Do you have do they get confused by the middle name? I think people just assume I'm awesome. I think they just like see the middle name and they're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because excuse me, sir, do you is- kick ass? Totally kick ass. <laughs> this all adds up. Yes. Well, they just think we're doing like a bit still. They do not realize her middle name is actually. No, it really is. It, the, Has the anybody tried to between our website and this murder mystery? <laughs> Timo Cope. <laughs> Timo Cope. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be so scared by by saying time cop that they they have the most offensive thing possible. Well, that, that's, well like, that can, that's the one thing it can't be. <laughs> Is that like a Nez Perce name? No, it's from the fucking hit film Time Cop. <laughs> and then finally, there's Showdown Little Tokyo with Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee. Now that's the movie where the. I was going to say the line. I know you're going to say it. No, you say the line. You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. (laughs) That's the movie with the line. You have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. Now, that's also the movie about Dolph Lundgren being a super weeb who impales a Yakuza Mm -hmm. and then throws him like a man dart to hit a bullseye on a firework wheel, which lights up, spinning him ever faster and faster as he dies screaming in an explosion of fireworks for like about three minutes. <laughs> what do all of these movies have in common? They kick ass, just yeah, like faking your true. own death. <laughs> You're right. It all it all is linked together through the lens of kick ass. Now, I do know there's another possibility. Maybe I'm too close to this. Maybe I've been working on this joke premise for over a year, since episode 12 of the Dog Zone 9000, when David Bell mentioned the murder just in passing, and I joked we should do a mystery solving series called Hot Dog Nights, 
maybe that's me. Maybe I seeded Gary DeVore properties throughout the site just to make the connections in this case seem weirder. Maybe I named Sean's kid, you know? More unlikely? Shit. Maybe I Maybe you're Tommy Lee Jones. Maybe I'm Brandon. Chase Brandon. Wait, I always want to say Brandon Chase. Chase Brandon, alien, alien CIA operative. Now, maybe I commissioned the Hot Dog Nights theme song months ago for seemingly no reason. A badass song and we rarely use it. All for this? Maybe this is just trying to justify my crippling theme song addiction, which is real and crippling. But maybe I've found it. The unifying theory of Hot Dog. The one thread that links everything we're all about. Time Cop. Tracks, raw deal, Hollywood himbo, Cart Weimer, Cart Weimer, Court, Court Billy, Steel Justice, Court Zimmerman, The Rhythm Nation, Think Big, Robosaurus is season hubbly, John Irvin, remember that guy, the stuffy English guy with his with his stodgy accent that lent prestige to this podcast. He also <laughs> yes, of course. He also directed The Running Man. Holy shit! It's all here. This is it. Gary DeVore set Hot Dog in motion 40 years ago, and he left behind all the clues to solving the mystery of his disappearance hidden in goofy movies nobody would take seriously except for comedians. Possible lunatic, Dr. Matthew Alford, he was trying to tell us. Look to the clowns. Maybe. Oh, my God. Maybe the Cookie Vigilante movie track so integral to our hot dog community is actually a stepping stone into a vast conspiracy of governmental media control, one full of unjust wars, pedophilia, and murder. A conspiracy whose truths could unravel the entire fabric of Western society. Maybe that's it. It could be it. But even if it's not, isn't there some value in thinking critically about police cold cases, even if they have nothing to do with you? Isn't it acceptable? Maybe even beneficial to society, maybe even heroic to use real tragedies for entertainment podcasts. Isn't it worthwhile to ask these questions purely for the sake of questioning, to get your brain grappling with the details of an obscure potential murder, much like Jake the Snake Roberts might grapple with an obscure potential murderer? Isn't it worth it to consider for just a few hours that the truth might be something far more complex and sinister than it seems? The answer to all these questions is no. I'm sorry, I wasn't really going anywhere with this. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt! Einstein Hunter Frankfurt! Who's a podcast canal? Und mit maximalen Schau! Doc Frankfurt Podcast? Correct! Yeah! The craft is nicht trapped, is nicht ohne! Schickt in the Hundesau! Fior eine Stunde! Ladies and gentlemen, from Gladiator Arena here in beautiful Dank Knob, Kentucky, Poxco Productions presents The Supreme Gladiators. Three Finger Louie, Aaron Croston, also called Cincinnati Spank, Adrian H., Aiden Moat, Alpha Scientist Javo, Ron Andy, also known as Flip Hammer, Andreas Larson, Armando Nava, 
Benjamin Cyronin, Bim Talzer, also known as Blip Hammer, Brian Saylor, Brianne Whitney, Brockway loves the meat millie, you know he does, Sarah, Red, Chris Brower, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer, Curious Glare, Dan B, Dean Costello, Donald Finney, Dr. Awkward, Eric Spaulding, Fancy Shark, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer, Jellaho, Hambone, Paraka, Hot Fart, Jaber Al Aiden, Jacob Thornburg, James Boy, sworn enemy of Flip Hammer, who he's mistaken for Flip Hammer, nobody tell him. Jeff Horasky, Jeremy Neal, John Dean, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh Fabian, sworn enemy of Josh Fabian, Josh S, Ken Paisley, K&M, Laziest Man on Mars, Matt Riley, also known as The Laser Stranger, Michael Lair, Michael Wells, also known as The Flaming Neighbor, enemy of The Laser Stranger, Mickey Lohman, Mike Stiles, also called Style Mike, Moju, sworn enemy of Style Mike, ND, sworn enemy of Style Mike, Neil Bailey, sworn enemy of Style Let's just assume, if not explicitly called out, everyone is a sworn enemy of Style Mike. Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H. Ozzy Olin thinks Style Mike is just okay. Patrick Herbst, Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Sarkovsky, Spotty Reception, Ted H. The H stands for I Hate You, Style Mike. Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Tom Sekula, Tommy G, Waylon Russell, currently seeking a sworn enemy, inquire within, Yosarian, and Brandon Garlock, universally beloved with no known enemies except for Insulin Resistance. I'll see you in the battle sphere, Insulin Resistance!